You're listening to the Kingdom Culture Church Podcast. To connect with us, hop on social media or go to kingdomculturechurch.com.au. Hey church, it's my privilege to be doing part four today of our Philippians series and we're going to be jumping in at um, halfway through chapter two. Um, I think you had the privilege of listening to Pastor Rob this morning, doing the, the first half of chapter two and um, And I'm sure that that was encouraging and great. And so I'm going to be jumping in from chapter 12. But I just wanted to give a little bit of um, an overview and some context. Again, you've probably had this because we are up to session four now. But um, just to give a little bit of context again to the book of Philippians, which is one of my all-time favorite books of the Bible. It's, I think it's my favorite letter out of all of the letters. Um, it's so encouraging. It's so life-giving. It's such a heaven perspective because Paul is writing it um, in prison. So he's actually writing it while he's in chains. And I, I just think that, um, yeah, like we've, we've called this series Perspective from Life in a Prison Cell. And I just think that there is such great perspective to be found um, from, from yeah, Paul as he's as he's in chains. And so I'm just going to give you a little bit of context. So Paul is writing this letter to the church in Philippi, which is in Greece, which was a Roman colony. Uh, Paul writes the letter while imprisoned. And uh, the church in Philippi was one of, um, it was actually Paul's first church plant in Eastern Europe. So he has a special place for the Philippians in his heart. Paul experienced resistance in Philippi um, when he when he planted the church, and the church actually, even after Paul moved on from there, um, continued to experience persecution. Um, and this letter that he's writing is actually in response to a gift from the church. So the gift, the church has sent him a gift, and he's writing it to say thank you so much, and also just to exhort them and encourage them, and to um, yeah, to to leave them with some thoughts. Um, to teach out in the church. And, and so, yeah, the letter, the whole letter, Philippians, it's, it's four chapters. It's centered around um, actually a poem at the beginning of chapter two, which is really beautiful. And um, we don't have time to go into that today, but I encourage you to check it out. It starts at um, verse five. So chapter two, verse five, check it out. It's so beautiful. And it's just a really great summary of the gospel and of just the, what Jesus the whole story of humanity and what Jesus um, came to do. So I encourage you to, to check that out. Um, and, and if you missed this morning's message, watch that. You can, you know, you can just skip and just go straight to the, the message or t- like hear it on the podcast. But make sure you get that in. Um, and if you've missed any other sessions as well, we want you to get the whole experience. So make sure you, you've caught up on all of the sessions. But yeah, so we're going to jump in at verse 12. Um, so chapter 2, verse 12, if you're... Um, going to go there with me. And um, we'll be coming back to verse 12. And I'm going to mostly center my message today from um, verses 12 to 18. But I'm going to just read through um, all the way through to the end of the chapter, give you the overview, and then um, then we'll go from there. So reading with me, verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation." 
in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. And he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go here with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help that you could not give me. And that's the end of chapter two. I'm just going to pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the life that is in this text, God. We thank you that you reveal yourself to us through this beautiful book called the Bible. And we, we thank you that you re reveal yourself to us through this book of Philippians, Lord. And I just pray that you would be speaking even, even now, Lord. I, I, I commit this whole message to you and I ask that you would be speaking and revealing to us who you are, what you're like, Lord, and how we're supposed to interact with you and um, how we can live in total fulfillment, God, as we walk out this, this um, journey of faith. So we just commit this to you and we, we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said earlier, um, we're gonna center, I'm going to center my message um, around verses 12 to 18, but I'll just do a little summary. So obviously it's a letter and Paul is saying, thank you for the gift. I'm going to be sending Epaphroditus back to you. He's, he came, he actually got really sick. He nearly died, but God, um, God saved him. And I'm ever so grateful because I love this guy. And he's also saying, hey, Timothy, he's also a really good guy. And I'm going to be sending him back to you as well. But then at the beginning of what I was reading out, he, he exhorts them and he encourages them. And he, he gives them some really um, meaty things to think on. And I actually want to do something a little different. I want to tell you my three points before we even jump in. So I want to frame it. And I'm going to tell you the three main points that I'm going to be drawing from this message. And then we're going to dig it out together. So my first point is actually out of um, verse 12. And it is a little controversial. But I'm going to put this to you today. My first point is God is worthy of our fear. I know, controversial. <laughs> number two, God works in us. And number three, stop complaining. So that's my three points that we're going to be digging out. But let's jump in. So go back again to Philippians 2.12. And it says, Therefore, my dear friends... 
as you have always obeyed. He's saying, hey, you guys have been doing a great job. As you've been doing, not only in my presence, not only when I was with you, but now much more in my absence when I can't be with you, continue, keep up the good work to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Paul is writing to this church and he's encouraging them, like, keep up the good work, guys. And I don't think that Paul is saying here, that salvation needs to be worked for. We know, we can be confident that we are saved by grace alone. We are saved by faith alone. We, we can be confident that we receive our salvation and our citizenship to heaven through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's final, full stop, capital letter, exclamation mark, times three, because I'm an extrovert. And so I like to put exclamation marks instead of full stops. It's, it's final, it's closed, that's, that's it. But I, I actually, when I read that verse and I hear, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, I hear echoes of the Old Testament writers and their instruction to fear the Lord. We see this theme in Exodus, in Deuteronomy, in Psalms, in Proverbs, Job, Isaiah, Zephaniah, Malachi, Colossians, just to name a few. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So if you are writing points today, point one, write it down. God is worthy of our fear. That might be a little uncomfortable for you to hear, and it's even a little uncomfortable for me to talk about. Like when I was preparing this at home, I was like, Lord, are you sure you want me to write that? (laughs) Sounds a little abrasive. And I think it's because we prefer to talk about God being worthy of our love and he's worthy of our adoration and he's worthy of our affection and he's worthy of our worship and our praise. But he's also worthy of our fear. He's worthy of our awe. We love the idea of the good, good father, but sometimes the, the, the awesome, terrifying God who sits on the throne with the angels crying holy, when we really begin to picture the seraphim and the cherubim circling around the throne and the intensity with which that whole picture plays out, you know, it's like, oh, wow, like God is awesome. He is awe-inspiring. He, he is worthy of, I'm going to fall on my face before him because of his holiness. You know, um, my late grandmother, uh, Granny Vinny, that's what we called her, Granny Vinny, um, she, she loved this verse. She actually, she loved, she loved Proverbs saying that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. She also loved, therefore, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I remember she would always say to me when I'd say, that's awesome. She'd say, Jess, only God is awesome. And look, I have let her down because I definitely still text probably 17 times a day. That's awesome. Thumbs up, you know, just about very mediocre things. Um, but I think that there's something that we can, we can learn and from the reverence of Granny Vinny and Granny Vinny's generation. There was this, there's something, what she was saying is, Jess, awesome. Think about what that word means. Awe-inspiring terrifying, but in the purest, holiest, in a way that is only good. God is worthy of our fear. Um, I encourage, if you want more on this, because, you know, we can't spend forever on this verse, but um, I would recommend The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. If you want to just spend some time marinating in God's 
holiness, his majesty, his magnanimous, his, his authority. If you want to camp in that, I recommend. This is a, he's a great guy. He was an author from the early 20th century. And yeah, it's the knowledge of the holy, which I think is taken, derived out of Proverbs 9, where he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the holy one is understanding. But I want to read one quote. I had to limit myself. I had a few others, but I had to cut it out. Um, I have one quote for you today from this book. And it says this, always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. Just as her most significant message is what she says about him or leaves unsaid. For her silence is often more eloquent than her speech. I think it's very important that we study the word of God to know his attributes, not just the ones that we we personally gel with. I know for me personally, I always sing about his goodness and his faithfulness. When I'm, when I'm singing, I, that's just like what kind of spills out. Now that I've pointed out, you'll probably notice in every set, there'll be a spontaneous moment where I'm like, goodness, faithful, your faith. I love singing his faithfulness and it's something that I think he's given me a very personal revelation on and so it's something that just comes out of me. But, but it's important that we study all of his attributes to understand that the fullness of who he is. And I believe that actually many of the problems that we face in our lives stem from the lack of the fear of the Lord. I look at, I look at our generation particularly and I look at some of the stuff we face and I think, I think if we understood who God is and who he's revealed himself to be in this book and we actually began to, to fear him in, in a beautiful way, in the way that he is good and he's worthy and he's holy. I think it actually begins to put our, our problems and our circumstances in their right perspective. You know, we can fear many things in life. We can fear the future, fear lack of money, rejection, job loss, sickness, COVID-19, death. We can fear um, many things. And I think sometimes we reduce God to being just the little lamb. And so then when, when it's just Jesus the lamb meek and mild, and we put that up against a global pandemic or, you know, losing our job or a terminal illness, it can, it can actually start to feel like our circumstances are almost rivaling this Jesus that we've reduced down to just be um, almost weak. Um, but I think sometimes we need to remember the Revelation 19 Jesus, the Jesus that's riding on a white horse. I want to read you something. And I just pray that your heart would be open if you want to close your eyes and just hear it today. Revelation 19, it says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he wages, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on a white horses, and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of of lords. 
Jesus is worthy of our fear. He's worthy of our affection, our adoration, our love, our desire, all of the stuff that we talk about a lot. And, you know, I, I think you guys know it, so I don't need to recap it all here. But he's worthy also of that awe-inspiring, my God, you are awesome. My God, you are worthy of everything, Lord. You are worthy of me laying down my life. And actually any problem I face is insignificant and pales in comparison before the majesty and wonder of the one whose name tattooed on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. Continue, my dear friends, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I want to give you a practical application because I, sometimes I love to be theoretical, but I want to bring it down really practical. And I just want to leave you with one practical thing from this point and is read the whole Bible, guys, not just your favorite books. I get it. I get I love Philippians and I love I love the Gospel of John and I love 1 John, 2 John and 3 John. I like Matthew and these are the places I love Ephesians. I love Colossians. I love to camp there, but I also need to read Isaiah. I also need to read Zephaniah. I also need to read Deuteronomy. I also need to understand who God is. And I want to understand him because he's revealed himself. And as Toza was saying, this is so important that we understand his attributes and what we speak about him is the most important thing as a church and also as individuals because as we think, so we are. When we think about him, it changes what we think about us and it changes how we act and how we live and the authority with which we face the different things that come against us. All right, that's the first verse. Whew, good, all right. I promise I won't be so long on all the others. All right, so next verse, verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. I love this verse. I love this verse. So my point two, if you're writing points, which you should be, take notes. Point two, God works in us. Paul follows on from his exhortation to fear the Lord into encouraging us that it is God working in us on our will and our actions. Firstly, our will. He gives us a new heart. He gives us new desires. He, he, he works from the inside out. It's him on the inside working on me. He's changing what I want. He's changing my desires. When I used to crave, what I used to crave, it's like I lose my taste for that. And actually, I crave him. I crave his presence. I crave putting worship music on in my house. I crave reading the word. I crave. He gives me new, a, a new desires, a will. And then that flows out into our actions, to will and to act. The New Living Translation says it this way, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. How encouraging is that, guys? It is God working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. This is good news if I ever heard it. I, um, I love our song, our KCW song. Sounds like a plug, but honestly, it was the best thing that I could think that summarized this, it, called Be Thou. It's a song written by Brad and Abby. I want to shout them out. They're, they were the, 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 lyric, the, the authors who pinned those lyrics. But I want to read you just the verses really quickly. It says, In my own strength, I could not produce the faith to follow blindly, but you give it freely. In my own strength, I could not produce the will to love you rightly. Instead, you pursue me. He gifts us with salvation and then he gifts us with the ability to receive 
that salvation. And he gives us a new heart and new desires and new wills to love him, to want to know him, to want to walk this thing out. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I love that. The author and perfecter. He's the author. He's the one who wrote this whole thing out. If, it was a, if life is a book, God is the author and I'm a character in it. My very existence was written and created from his imagination. Why would I not then surrender my decisions and my life and trust the one who is the author of it all to lead my life? Trust him to work and to will to will and to, that I would will and act out his good purposes. Practical application. Surrender your decisions to God who works in us, the author and perfecter of our faith. All right, reading onwards, it says here, at, jumping in at verse 14, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the words of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labour for nothing." But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your f- coming from your faith, even if I die, even if I'm martyred, he's saying, this is Paul's writing this, but even if I'm martyred, guys, he says, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. And so you too should be glad and rejoice with me because it's worth it. He's saying it's worth it. This kingdom thing, it's worth it. So my third point, really practical, it's practical in its essence, is number three, stop complaining. We are number one, God is worthy of our fear. Number two, God works in us. And number three, stop your whining. Stop complaining. Last year, I had the opportunity to travel to Europe with my family. And it was um, really fun, me and my husband, Dan, and um, my brothers and sisters and my mom and dad. We went over to Europe and it was a great time. But if anyone has been on an extended trip with a group of friends or a family, you realize that traveling just, oh, it just like exposes you in all kinds of ways, you know? Uh, just all kinds of little things that you didn't really notice. Well, that happened, and um, particularly on the trip, I was clashing with my little brother, Gian, and he, at one point, after a few weeks of um, graciously uh, bearing with I'm an external processor and I just love to talk about everything and I love to rank things. I'm like, which city was the best? What experience today was the best? What's the best ice cream? I just love to like, I want to rank everything and categorize everything. And, and a couple weeks in, he just got to this point where, but I also externally processed every negative feeling I had. So if I didn't like something, I was sure to let everybody know. And a couple weeks in, he just like kind of snapped. And he was like, Jess, stop complaining. There were a few tears. It was a moment and a half, you know, I cried and I was like, why are you so hard on me? You know, I have friends back in Australia who don't have a problem with me. But, you know, it was an opportunity where God used that to say, hey, Jess, stop complaining. Look at how much you need to externally process the good and the bad and maybe just trade out that complaining for some thanksgiving. Trade out all of that negativity that you're wanting to just tell everybody all the time what you're feeling and actually start to praise me. Instead, I think we become God-fearing sons and daughters 
When we become God-fearing sons and daughters who understand that it is God who works in us, it transforms the way we live and it actually transforms the way we speak. It transforms the way we talk. It transforms the way we do or don't grumble. It transforms the way we do or don't engage in gossip. It transforms the way we do or don't speak about our leaders or our parents or our boss at work or our, politi- our, our leaders, our political leaders, our, our prime minister. When we actually understand that actually God is, I, I want to fear the Lord. I want to be, be someone who, who fears the Lord and that marks my life. And I know that he's working in me and he's given me new desires and a new heart. It actually transforms the way we speak. so that we can live blameless and pure and shine bright like stars in a black sky. We should look different. We should look different. Shining like stars on a black backdrop. And he said, a depraved and crooked generation. We, We need to look different. And sometimes I'm challenged that I don't look different enough to the people who don't know God. So my practical application for point three is trade that complaining for Thanksgiving. So in conclusion today, Philippians is a powerful letter full of wisdom and we can draw so much wisdom from the second half of chapter two. Maybe tonight, Holy Spirit highlighted certain verses to you. Is he challenging how you think about him? Maybe tonight he wants to reveal his authority over the circumstances in your life. Maybe he's wanting to elevate that picture that you have of him and actually not, not remove the picture of Jesus, the lamb that was slain and all of his kindness and his goodness, but also establish the lion and the lamb and bring that Revelation 19 Jesus who has Lord of Lords and King of Kings riding on a white horse with a tongue that is a sword that cuts straight through the noise. I, maybe he's wanting to reveal to, him, to you tonight his authority. Or maybe tonight he's reminding you gently that he's working in you. That you don't need to strive in your own strength. That you don't need to manufacture the will to love him or manufacture the faith to follow him, but actually rest in that it's God working in you, transforming your desires, transforming your behavior from the inside out. He's God works in us to will and to act according to his good purpose. Or perhaps like me, you felt really challenged about complaining about your language. Is he inviting you to change the way you speak about others and to walk blameless and pure instead? Lastly, you might be watching this and not even know God or know if you're saved. God might be speaking to you now and extending that invitation to surrender your life over to him, the great author, the one who wrote this whole book. And if that's you tonight, I would just encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for dying for my sins. I accept your forgiveness. Come work in me so that I can live blameless and pure before you. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen, church. Be blessed. I hope this has encouraged you. And I just encourage you again, dig into Philippians for yourself. Read the whole letter. Front, read all four chapters in a row. Take it in. Read it for yourself. Be blessed, guys. We love you.